who listens to the show, Kathy and Henry are talking. Hello, welcome, welcome to Butler's, Butler's Podcast. podcast. <laughs> That's so funny about that. For once, we did it in time. <laughs> you ruined it now, then. No. What are we doing this week? Well, this week we're introducing a new kind of educational aspect to our podcasts because Dan, who works with us, is studying at Plumpton College at the moment in his first year of winemaking yep. and has started writing us some fantastic blogs about wine regions. So these can be found on our website. And we thought we'd back them up with a podcast so we can go through particular regions once a month to help people who want to learn a little bit about wine or for customers who are seeking to find wines from particular regions. Okay, so this week, what's the first region that we're going to Burgundy. Tackle? Burgundy. The big old ta- challenge of Burgundy. Okay, so that really is uh, too big to tackle in one episode, <laughs> but we'll, we'll do a little precy of... Um, Burgundy in general, and and maybe some tips that you could use to help buy you some affordable wines. So, so where um, is Burgundy, Henry? You travel down from sort of southeast uh, Paris, just below Paris, and head down um, towards the southeast corner. So it's a long strip. Well, not a very long strip actually, but the it's set in in different compartments. So Chablis is the northernmost part of of Burgundy, and that sits alone. And then there's a bit of a gap between Chablis geographically and the Côte d'Or. Côte d'Or is where some of the most famous uh, wine producers and, and wine villages are in Burgundy, which we'll touch on in a minute. And then you've got the Chalonnais and the Macanais in the south of Burgundy, and then Beaujolais as well. And if you carried on in that direction, heading south and towards the east, you would end up in the Rhone, and then you'd end up in the Alps, and then you'd be in Italy. So... It is a quite nice a small, road trip. Be a great road trip. Lots of people cycle it as well. Um, you just can't carry enough wine on a bike. Good point. Good point. <laughs> That's why we have staff. <laughs> so, how do you want to tackle this then? Should we go? Well, I think we're gonna. We're not going to discuss Beaujolais today because that's a whole entity in itself. Okay. Um, we've also already done a podcast on Chablis, so we'll touch on Chablis later on. But let's start with the Cote d'Or. Okay. And also, I think it's important just to remind everybody that in Burgundy it's very apparent that there is a close relationship between the growers and his vines his or hers vines um, and the average grower only has about four hectares so there's lots of small producers next to each other who have a small amount of land yes are you asking me any questions or are you just telling me (laughs) everything about it yes um, why are we doing Burgundy in fact And, and we're doing Burgundy because it's one of the most famous wine regions in the world it's very prestigious um, most people would know something about Burgundy, probably without knowing it. But there's some of the most top names in the world. The top winemakers in the world are in Burgundy. There are great wines around the rest of the world, of course. There but are some hit, really good wines here, though. Year on year, uh, the, the wines perform very well. They are made in quite small quantities, and there are a lot of people with money who will buy these wines, and that sort of forces the price up sometimes. So they're very collectible. Um, But historically, if you look back, they consistently perform well, and that's why people want to invest in them. So I think the art is how do you work around? How would you start? How would you tackle the wines of, of, of Burgundy? Why would you pick one over the other? Um, how do you afford it? All of these things. There's lots of things to go yes, through. Yes, and we won't tackle any of them. <laughs> but it is important as well to say that there are three grape varieties used in Burgundy. Okay. They are Chardonnay, Pinot Noir and Aligotti. 
Yes, and you can include Gamay as well when we do the Beaujolais section in another Another one. Another podcast. So let's start, please, with the Cote d'Or. Okay, so that's um, it's not a massive part of of Burgundy, but it's the it's the main part where all the big names are. You've got normal village wine, so that would be a, a wine that's named after the village it comes from, where the fruit is grown. Then you have the next level up, which is Premier Cru, and then the top. Um, the highest regarded uh, vineyard sites are called Grand Cru. Um, and these will be, these words will be on the label. So Grand Cru will be the most expensive, then Premier Cru, and then normal village wine. Um, it's split into two halves. You've got the Cote de Nuit in the north, um, which is uh, better known for top quality red wines made from the Pinot Noir grape, such as Nuit Saint-Georges or Gevry Chambertin. And these are quite big, muscular wines for Burgundy, and they have the potential to age for 10, 15 years, no problem. In the south, it's more dominated by uh, the Chardonnay grape variety, and you get some of the best white wines in the world, such as Merceau or uh, Poulini Montrachet. My favourites. Really nice. But there are also red wines there. Um, It's just that they are better known for the white wines. And the reds tend to be a bit lighter bodied than the the ones that you find in the Cote de Nuit. But the two main grape varieties are there. Whites, if you're buying any white, it's going to be Chardonnay. And if you're buying any red, it's going to be Pinot Noir. And with the particular styles of red and white, are there flavour profiles that you can associate with the wines from these places? Yeah, I guess you can. Um, if, you're, if you're looking at Merceau, they, they, uh, it's often dec- described that it has quite a rich, sometimes buttery style with popcorn. hazelnuts and popcorn. I love toasty. it. I really love it. So it's quite a powerful style. And then if you m- move into the village of Poulini Montrachet, they're much more steely, much more z- zesty fruit. And Chassin, it, I, I, for me, and this is very subjective, if you, if you smell it, it's always quite fat. I, I, I find it has, it has a quite Fudgy. broad... Yeah, a little bit, and toasty sometimes. So some of these producers will be made in an unoaked way. Some will have extra flavour added to them and layers of complexity by ageing the wine in an oak barrel. And you need to read up on the individual producers to see who produces what because a lot of this information is not on the label. French winemaking really puts importance on the place name that it comes from and the producer name who makes the wine, not the grape variety. So you'd maybe find a producer that you like and then seek out other wines that they've made. Yeah, yeah, and and they would have a consistency of style. And and their their Bourgon Blanc, for example, which would be their entry-level wine, might be a bit lighter, and their top wine might be their Masso. That would be... Um, typically a bit richer and a bit heavier, but the the general style, the house style, will be consistent. And, and you the, get some really good value wines at Bourgogne Blanc. Yeah, so if you pick a, a, a really good producer um, and then find their lesser level wines, it's, it's sort of better, makes more sense to do that than to buy a top wine from a producer who's perhaps not so good. I think it makes more sense. Okay, so then let's move on to the Cote de Chalonnais and Macanais. Okay, these are sort of 
not as fashionable, not as prestigious. You get, you're heading further south, but they can offer wines that are great value. A lot of the, the, the wines, um, the top vineyards and the top producers, they make such tiny quantities and there's such a huge audience that want them. They can run out almost straight away. So a lot of these Burgundian wines will be offered on Primeur, which means they're offered for sale before they actually arrive in the country and they, they get snapped up. And so people are scrabbling around for a bottle here or there. But in the Macon, Maconay and the Chalonais, it's not quite, the demand is not quite the same. Um, so there are little bargains to, to be found. You know, Macon, so they're not quite as famous names. Not really, although in the Maconais you've got an area called Pui, um, P-O-U-I-L-L-Y. That's quite pathetic. Oh, no. So childish. Um, <laughs> Everyone's and, thinking it. And Pui Fuise is, is a wine that has, has been on restaurant lists for a long time and mm. people often recognise and sometimes get um, confused with Pui Fume, which is in the Loire. So we're not going to talk about that. And made from Sauvignon Blanc. Yeah. Don't get them confused. But they're very, they get a little bit more, there's much more sun, um, they're made in slightly larger quantities and the flavours are a bit broader and, and more mouth-filling. Maybe not as elegant sometimes and as stylish, but equally, if you find the right producers, then you can find some really nice wines. Rui is a is a, an area down there in the south of Burgundy, which at really the moment nice we wines. found some really nice ones. Mm. Yeah, white and red. Reds are quite pretty, white's quite tangy. And they're a good price as well, so they're really cost-effective. Yeah, yeah. And Mercury... Yeah, that's a lovely, lovely little name to look out for. That's an, another village that makes white and reds. Probably you see more of the reds. Um, but We've got quite a fruit. lot in stock as well. We've got a huge range of different mercury. So that's the one to sell, isn't it, at the moment? <laughs> the uh, lovely soft fruit, very generous wines that you can drink when they're young. Some of the uh, more robust styles of Burgundy, like Gevry Chambertin on the reds, they need you to keep the wine for a few years before they're ready to drink. So they require a bit of investment. It's very, I think we should stress as well that, that for me, um, it's, it's excellent that Burgundy is so complicated and is in complex because you find surprises all the time. It's not predictable. There can be disappointments and it can be quite costly. But the, as you said, the producers generally have tiny, tiny plots. And some of these villages, you walk in one side and you, before you've recognised that you're in Merso, you've already walked out the other side of the village. They're really quite small. And they make their wines generally in the same way. So it really is, the wines are representative of the soil, the aspect, the, and the, the microclimate, the winemaker in each individual plot and in each individual area and that so makes it fascinating if they have some poor weather one year that yeah. could wipe out someone's crop for a year could do. which would possibly drive the price up as well maybe yeah it could do um sometimes if it's a wet year you'll find that the fruit is a bit more diluted so it's not it's very tricky. concentrated it's tricky for a winemaker if it's a hot year like 2009 or 2015 they make wines that are almost like a new world style very opulent and rich um, so they do vary a lot, and that's quite important to pay attention to, too. OK, and what about Boozeron? Just mention it. OK, that's a small town, and they specialise in the Aligote grape. We've had these wines in before, but the Aligote is like a lighter, crisper, quite zesty version of Chardonnay. They're, they're sort of similar, but they're not really. Um, they're much... Uh, <laughs> they're, they're, but they're not like... Sauvignon Blanc or anything else. The Aligote traditionally was used in a in a raw akia, um, with some uh, cassis in the bottom of the glass, and most people always make it too strong, so it tastes like ribena. Black currant. Um, 
but you just have a little touch of, of uh, um, creme de cassis in the bottom of the glass and then top it up with with aligote because it's sort of light, not too pungent in flavour. But when you get the good ones, there's lovely balance, mm. lovely freshness to them and not too high on the alcohol. I think for me as well, with Burgundy, the fascination and the temptation is that the wines aren't always in your face, but they have balance. And so when you're drinking the, through the bottle, it, nothing really stands out as being awkward or it's not too heavy, it's not too sharp, not too rich. They have style and balance and that's that's what I like and that's what I'm looking for. And the Macanay's more sun in that yeah, area. So you maybe get south. some fatter, richer wines yeah, as yeah. a style. So if you were looking for something, you want a richer Burgundy. Yeah, and a Macan wine, a good Macan wine could be about 15 quid. Whereas mm, really a, whereas good value. A, Pulina Monashay is 50 quid, so um, I, I, they, they were a, a, little, a little maligned in the past and, and considered to be some sort of simple and not very classy wines, but that, I think that's probably based on big bulk wines that you maybe find um, on sale in certain places that, that were a little bit disappointing, but if you make the effort and find the good producers or interesting ones, they're, they're there to be had. And go to an independent shop as well where you can speak to someone about it who should be able to tell you the difference. Yes, um, and then you need to do some homework. And then it? read our blog post read and you're sorted. <laughs> but equally, if you like a producer, a particular producer, then you maybe have a little search around and you can find, you know, if you like this producer, some of his neighbours or her neighbours might make similar wines. So you can sort of, it's like, like using Spotify, you sort of start on, off at one place and end up in another section Especially completely. once you've had two bottles of wine. Well, yeah. yeah that's what Spotify's there for. <laughs> uh, okay. So, going further down south, Shab- uh, north, we're going back north, aren't we? Are we? Okay. Because we've got Chablis. Yeah, Chablis. Um, near Paris. <laughs> it is uh, very northerly. So, the, because you've gone um, to the north, it's cooler climate, and so the wines aren't quite as big with tropical flavours. They're more zesty, fresher, sometimes savoury, sometimes has a little cheesy aroma in a good way, sometimes a bit salty. Um, not actually salty, but they have that salinity Mineral. quality to it. Um, Four classifications in Chablis to look out for. Okay, at the very top, um, but the smallest amount produced would be Grand Cru, then the next rung down, Premier Cru, then Normal Village Chablis, and then Petit Chablis, which is some of the areas that where the fruit wasn't um, historically considered to be good enough to go into the other um, higher levels of wine but there's there are bargains to be found again and they are all made from 100 percent chardonnay yeah so that's easy to get your head around white wines chardonnay red wines pinot noir but if you lined up uh, which you maybe don't do at home very often but if you lined up 10 different examples of white wines from burgundy and 10 from uh pinot noir you'd almost think they were different sort of regions of wines there's so much diversity and so much uh, fun to be We're had. We're going to have to do a burgundy tasting, aren't we? In a minute, yes, let's. <laughs> That's what Sundays are for. Yeah. Um, it's probably worth briefly mentioning the Kimmeridgian clay in the soil in okay. Chablis. There's a seam of that, that that runs under that region, and that's sort of uh, where the, the best fruit um, comes from, is, is grown on Kimmeridgian clay, and that gives you... Um, Chablis that are capable of aging 15, 20 years if you buy a good, decent Grand Cru and you keep it well. Um, they have massive potential. I and really they have like that kind Chablis. of oyster shell. There's oyster shells found in the soil there, and I think you do get that minerally, almost oyster shelly yeah. flavour profile. And we're not putting any science behind this, it just, but it's, it does seem to make a difference. 
And why would you, what would you expect from a Grand Cru Chablis compared to a standard Chablis? Why would you pay a lot more for a Grand Cru compared to a standard Chablis? Okay, Chablis is quite tr- tricky at the moment because they've had a run of very difficult vintages and so the the, the supply is, is quite tight and there's not much to go around. So prices have increased, but say a normal Chablis from a, from a producer, specific producer might cost £15. That's made to drink um, now and over the next two or three years, no problem at all. It's not going to fade away. It'll, be, it'll give you a lot of enjoyment. The, from the same producer, if they make a wine, a Grand Cru wine, it's from much less fruit, much more concentrated fruit, um, and will be about 50 quid. So it's a massive step up. But you have that ability to drink that wine, if you've got enough bottles of them, for over a 15, 20-year period. And it will evolve, it will change, gives you more depth and concentration of flavour, much more going on, much more power. Um, it's, it's up to the beholder, really, whether you, whether you think it's worth the increase in money. But I think if you were given one for free, you would, you would definitely notice the difference between the two wines if you were given given them you might not be able to justify the money but um i think in terms of flavor you, you anyone would, you would know, know the difference I, I would say so okay so wrapping it up yeah let's pick a wine from burgundy or a couple of wines that we stock that you would rate as really good burgundies to drink maybe something that's drinking now and something to keep I like uh, the basic Chablis Fournion that we sell. Yeah, that's really good. That we import I, yeah, to the UK. I think that's about for fifteen, 15 pounds, quid, isn't it? It's got, really good value. It's quite honeyed, quite quite a lot of um, concentrated fruit. It's is I think it's really tasty. It's a good restaurant wine as well. I and think it looks it's solid. like it's proper traditional label. Yeah. Out of a French grocer. Yeah. Drawn I like probably it by somebody's gran or something. <laughs> I don't know. And uh, at the other end, I'm gonna. I'm doing two whites, Merzo Henri Germain. Oh, just yeah, Merzo. very subtle. And and when we had it, I thought it was excellent. But it, I, I thought it was excellent for the potential that was gonna, gonna evolve over the next few years. I, so the one we've got I, is 2016. If I could afford it, I would buy some and stick it away and keep it, and watch it age. How long would that age? Ten years plus, I would say. Nice. Really yeah. nice wines. Yeah, yeah. And it is, it's... And I oh, love the style of Mercer as well. That's my, one of my favourite styles of wine. It's just under £60, really, but if you're looking yeah, on a wine list... a bonus, But it? if we were going out for a meal, if you went somewhere and you had any Mercer on a wine list, it's going to be probably 100 quid, starting yeah. 90 quid plus. Yeah. So... So it's a treat. It's a, a real treat, treat, but to have that as a treat at home as well... It's yeah. not a huge amount if you split that between two of you or four of you yeah. and a glass each over dinner. It's a real, really nice thing to do. Yeah. And really good with some crab or some lobster or Lovely. <laughs> really expensive ingredients. <laughs> there we have it. Okay, so this will be coming out at the weekend. Our blog post is on the website now. Um, so please keep an eye out for these. I think the next region we're doing next month is going to be Piedmont. There are plenty of books, we must say, out there as well. Um, just look online, but there are, it is a complex subject matter. But I think it rewards doing a bit of homework on it. So if you search around, find a decent book, that will be very helpful. And if you Meanwhile, buy a bottle of wine to go with it, job done. It's like yeah, homework, that's a, isn't it? It's a good afternoon, isn't it? Yep. Brilliant. Thanks. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Right, that's it. We're off.